So we're going to kick off a brand new series. It starts today, and the title of this series is Beyond Ordinary. And before I get into um, what exactly that entails, um, I want to, um, just to kind of set it up, how many of you, um, at some point, you, you were probably saddened like I was when you heard the news last month that Robin Williams passed away, because you could probably, when you heard that news, think of one of those movies that you'd seen, it was just like, man, it wasn't just an average movie, it was, it was an amazing movie. And I was thinking about him this week um, because I can remember, um, I think this was probably one of the first movies I saw him in. It was a movie called Good Morning Vietnam. And I didn't realize how long ago that was until I looked it up. I'm like, man, that was a long time ago because I can still remember leaving the theater that day going, wow, that was a crazy movie. That guy is just the ad-libbing and the, the crazy stuff. It was just amazing. And then I remembered going to see Aladdin. And this was before I was married, so I didn't have kids and um, wasn't normally going to see Disney movies. But I remember seeing Aladdin and seeing that genie and thinking, Disney, these movies will never be the same again. This was hilarious. He played such a great character. But maybe like me, one of your favorite roles that he was in, this is probably one of my favorite movies, was Dead Poet Society. And I loved the character he played in that movie because he played a teacher. And here at Connect, we've got a lot of teachers who attend. And I think you guys are fantastic because you're making a huge impact in the lives of children and teenagers. And, and he's this teacher who inspires his students. And if you remember the movie, you'll remember there was a scene where he got all the students out of the classroom. He took them down to a trophy cabinet. And in that trophy cabinet, there were some pictures of students from years gone by. Old black and white pictures. And he said, look in at these people. Who knows what their lives ever became? If they could speak to you right now, what do you think they would say? And he said, boys, lean in. Lean in. And they all lean in to look into the trophy cabinet. And he goes, can you hear them? They're saying this phrase. And he whispers, carpe diem. Seize the days, boy. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. And I love that quote, that, that idea that he was saying, guys, carpe diem, seize the day, live extraordinary lives, live beyond ordinary. And I think the reason we, we relate to that, the reason that that scene inspires us, because it taps into that inner drive within every one of us that we want our lives to count for something. We want to be more than just ordinary. We want to be beyond ordinary. Think about it. None of us started out in life with a desire to be just ordinary. We know this because you ask any kids today what they want to be when they grow up, and these are the kind of responses you'll get. A fighter pilot, a ballerina, a cowboy, um, a, t a tester at a candy factory, someone who tests candy at a candy factory. You laugh, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I can remember as a child, that's really what I wanted to be, and look at me now. Dear, dear. I could have been tasting candy for a living. I mean, when I was a kid, I was like, that's what I want to do. That would be the best job in the whole world. So right now, we're embarking upon this new series over the next few weeks, and it's titled Beyond Ordinary, because we're going to focus specifically on this series at the relationships in our lives. Every one of us relates to, to many different people in our lives every week. It could be our spouse. It could be our kids. It could be the person that we work alongside. It could be our neighbors. It could even be that neighbor with that dog that just won't stop barking. And every one of us is involved in a relationship um, of some sort. So we're going to look at what the Bible teaches about how we are to relate to one another, not in just an ordinary way. You like that? This is for those who uh, zone out. You can kind of keep staring at this beautiful artwork as I'm speaking. But in a beyond ordinary way. 
So we want to look at um, what the Bible has to say about moving from ordinary to beyond ordinary when it comes to relationships. Now let me just kind of set the scene here this morning, because maybe you're here this morning and you've come along with a friend, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus. You've come along and you've, you're interested in Connect and you want to learn more, but you've not yet made that decision to follow Jesus. Well, you're going to love this series, and let me tell you why. Because the Bible, that those of us who follow Jesus, the Bible has some pretty clear guidelines on how we as Christ followers should relate to one another in a beyond ordinary way. In fact, the, the Bible's actually full of quite a lot of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. And, and it was actually, I'm sure you realize this, but it was written to people who already had a relationship with God. So in the Old Testament, we find the Ten Commandments, and we find a lot of guidelines on how to live, and they were all written to a group of people who had a, a contractual relationship with God. They lived by what was called the law. Most of the Old Testament is written to the people of Israel, and the people of Israel, God had delivered them from captivity in Egypt. He'd, he'd moved them through the wilderness and into the promised land. He provided their food. He provided their clothing. So when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, they were like, God, you've done everything for us so far. If this is the way you want us to live, this is the way we'll live. So the Old Testament is written to this group of people. Then in the New Testament, we find some accounts of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Acts, we find um, an account of the history of the church and how it was established. But, but really, the rest of the New Testament is full of letters that are written to the church. So let me tell you this morning why this is important before we start on this series, to understand that the Bible was written to followers of Jesus. And I think the easiest way to explain what I'm the point I'm trying to make here is, is with an illustration. So you imagine with me, if you would, that... Um, I've got a neighbor, and I go across to his house, and I knock on the door, and I say, Hey, Jim, uh, I, I've been kind of keeping an eye on your kids recently, and I've noticed that uh, it looks like they're not going to bed till after 8.30 most nights. I see the lights are still on, yeah. And uh, I've noticed that your daughter, she's been leaving her bike out on the yard a lot and not putting it in the garage at night. So, uh, um, you know, that's not great. And, I, and I've actually heard that your youngest son, he's struggling at school a little bit at math. So I think um, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to make sure that from now on your kids are in bed by 8.30, I want that bike in the garage every night, and uh, I'd like your daughter to, to check in with the teacher tomorrow morning. Let's, let's try and get that math, math score up a little bit. Is that okay? All right, cool. So that night's like 8.45. I look out, and the window's still, the light is still on in the kid's bedroom. Jim, yeah, I'm going to need to talk to your son right now. I see, uh, I see his light's still on, and um, I'm going to need to talk. Hello? Hello? <laughs> I mean, basically, that's the kind of response I'm going to get, because who am I? to tell Jim how to raise his kids. Now, I may decide to raise my kids that way. That's fine. But who am I to tell my neighbor how to raise his kids? But isn't it true that, and, and many of you, if you've grown up in church or maybe you've grown up around church, you've seen that sometimes, unfortunately, as, as Christ follows, we can become a little bit like that. We can become a little bit judgmental, and we can actually start to find ourselves judging people by the standards that God laid out for his people. For us this morning who are Christ followers. Now the New Testament actually teaches us that we're not to do this. That we don't have the authority to do this. In fact, Jesus gives a great example of this one day when he's presented with a woman who had committed adultery. The crowd bring this woman to Jesus and the law states that because she'd committed adultery. Now, I don't know about you, but as I understand adultery, there's normally two parties. But for some reason, they just brought the lady at that point. They said, hey, she needs to be stoned. That's what the law says. So Jesus, what are you going to do about it? 
So Jesus kind of looks hard and he looks at the crowd. He says, here's what I'm going to do. And he says this great phrase that we can read about in the Bible. He says, all right, we'll stone her, but let's let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Do you know what happened? They all started one by one to walk away. Because none of them had the authority to, to throw a stone. Because none of them were without sin. It's the same if I was to show up at your workplace tomorrow morning and say, hey guys, I know you normally start work at 8.30, but from now on, I think I'd like you all in at 8. Is that okay? <laughs> of course not. I'd be, I'd be thrown out of the workplace because I don't have any authority in your workplace. And yet, sadly, for generations, followers of Jesus have done this to people outside of the church. And I'll tell you what makes this problem even worse, what compounds this. And if you're here this morning and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, you, you understand this. It's that much of the time, when those people who are pointing the finger saying, you should, you should, you should, they're not even following Jesus themselves the way the scriptures lay out. This person could be judging their neighbor for not following the commandments laid in the Bible, but they're not doing them themselves either. In fact, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, and I'm sharing this right now, I think some of you are like, you, you want to go, amen. And you don't even follow Jesus, but you're thinking, yeah, I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen, that, that, that people who follow Jesus, they tend to, to say, you should do this, you should do this, to people who are living outside of the, the guidelines that were laid out in the scriptures for us as Christ followers. And the, what we run into here is that the difference between ordinary and beyond ordinary is actually comes down to one word, and that is application. Because the scriptures, the Bible is full of, of ideas of how we should live our lives. It gives us, as Christ followers, clear teaching, clear direction of how we should be living our lives. But if we don't apply what's in our lives, if we don't apply what's in the scriptures, then we're missing exactly what's there. So over the next five weeks, in the context of relating to one another, we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches God's people. And I want to tell you that as we talk about relating to one another, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, I still would challenge you. There's going to be some great challenges you're going to hear. There's going to be some great advice, some great counsel of what the Scriptures teach about how we can relate to one another. But if you're here this morning and you are a Christ follower, these aren't suggestions. This is what the Bible says about how we should relate to one another when it comes to forgiveness and, and marriage and honesty and, and some other areas we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. So there was someone in the Bible, someone who wrote in the Bible, who really got this. His name was James, and, and he was the brother of Jesus. And he wrote a book in the New Testament called James. And here's why I want to explain this morning the, um, who he is. Because when I read the Scripture, when I read the Bible, I love everything it teaches. But when I read this book, the book of James, I particularly like what I read in it. Because this guy was the brother of Jesus. And when I read James, I think, man, what, is it, what does it take? What, what had to have happened in James' life for him to be convinced that his brother was the son of God? I have two sons, Ben and Will. Ben's older and Will's younger. And, and I know that Ben tries to get Will to do things all the time, and Will just does not want to do it. Will does not want his big brother telling him what to do. And yet something must have happened in the life of James that he saw that his older brother wasn't just a brother, but he was who he said he was. He was the son of God. 
So when I read the book of James, and James is a great book, it's five chapters long, and I would challenge you this week, read one chapter of James every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five chapters. It is such a great book, full of practical wisdom, practical insights. And listen to what James says about this whole idea of application, because as Christ followers, I think we've made the mistake over the years, and I think James ran into this in in his culture, and I think we run into it today in our church culture as well. We've made the mistake of of looking around and and maybe judging, whereas in actual fact, we need to read what the Scriptures are saying, and we need to apply these in our lives. So listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, do not merely or do not only listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Now, I think this is incredible that James is writing this because he wrote this thousands of years ago. And it was obviously a problem there in the the New Testament church, but it speaks with such relevance to our church today. Because what James is saying in this phrase, it's happening in churches all across America every single Sunday. It happened in the synagogue in his day, and it still happens in churches across the world today. And it's the idea that listening is the win. The idea that listening to the word is what we should do. And let's be honest, probably some of us fall into that trap. We, we, we come in on a Sunday morning, and we come to church, and we think, yes. I made it to church today. And we sit here and we think, you know, God's up in heaven looking down thinking, hey, they're here. Awesome. Did you, did you get a note of that? They made it to church this morning. They're sitting there. They're listening. It's going to be a great week for them. Green lights all the way to work. That test they're studying for, they're going to do well now because they made it. They're here this morning and they made it into church. And some of us think that because we, we checked in this week, the test was passed. And hey, some of us think, hey, I didn't just come. I listened. I paid attention. I got about 70, 80, maybe even 90% of what that guy was talking about. I get it. And it appears that in American culture today, as it must have been back in Jewish culture, we feel that we're getting some credit for being here and just, just listening to the Word of God. And James says, listen, if you're merely listening and nothing else, then you're deceiving yourselves. There's more to this than just listening, than just showing up and checking the box. And that's not the only way that we deceive ourselves. Many of us, we actually come to church on a Sunday, and we get it. We actually find that we're attending a church where we understand what the pastor is talking about. And I say that because some of us have been to churches where I think maybe we didn't understand what the pastor was talking about. But, but here we find ourselves, and we, we're attending churches where we understand what the, Bible's, what the pastor's talking about, and we understand the message that he's giving, and it's practical, and it applies to our life, and we get it. And do you know what? We feel bad about ourselves. I sit here in church, and I understand what he's saying, and I do. I feel really bad about myself. In fact, I wrote down in my notes here, how many of you have ever come to church and felt bad about yourself? But I don't want you to raise your hands because I don't want the people who didn't raise their hands to feel bad about themselves for not raising their hands. But the reality is that happens, doesn't it? We come in and we hear um, someone teaching or preaching about what the Bible has to say about being a parent or being a spouse or being, being a follower of Jesus. And we kind of look at our own lives and we're like, oh, man, that's here, I'm here, I, I feel bad about myself. And, and some of us, we kind of equate that with the church experience. We leave and we think, hey, I did it. Not only did I go to church this week, but I even felt bad about myself. And that's good. 
that was a, a religious experience. I left and I really felt like I connected with God this morning because I felt really bad. And that's true. I've, and, and we see this across all denominations. I think it happens in churches that we're familiar with. It happens in other churches. My mum recently, she was um, flying back from England. She'd come to visit us and she was sat next to a guy um, on the airplane she was telling him all about me, as she does, and uh, she said, you know, my, we've just been visiting my son David, and he's in Washington, Illinois, and he's planted this church, and they got chatting, and, and towards the end of the conversation, the guy said, that sounds fascinating, that's really interesting to hear all that. He goes, now me, myself, he goes, I've, I've grown up in the Catholic church, that's, that's my faith. And he goes, I'll tell you what I love about the Catholic church. He goes, I can go anywhere in the world to a Catholic church and experience worship in exactly the same way. I thought that was really cool that he said that. He says, you know what? And it's great because I can go anywhere in the world and I can carry that, that whole Catholic guilt thing with me wherever I go. And I'm like, whoa. But we do that. We, we, we equate that with our church experience. Whatever church background we come from, we come in and we hear the Bible taught and we think, not only did I show up, but I even felt bad about what I heard. So, so that's a good thing, right? And we walk out and we feel better about ourselves. And James, the brother of Jesus, said, if that's what you think church is all about, you're deceiving yourselves. Because it's actually quite simple. Listen to what James says. As the verse continues on in verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the world, the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Four really simple words there. Do what it says. And this is why I want to kind of kick off with this idea as we go into this series of Beyond Ordinary. Because I really think if, if you want to know what it means, whether it's relationships that we're going to be speaking about over the next five weeks or any area of what the Bible teaches, and you want to know what it means to go from ordinary to beyond ordinary, I think James hits the nail right on the head there. He says, hey, do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Now, some are like, whoa, hold on a second there. Have you seen what it says? There's some, there's some pretty major stuff in there. There's this thing about submitting to those in authority. Have you met my boss? I mean, come on. Submit to those in authority? What about that whole turning the other cheek thing? That sounds crazy. Well, what about this? I've, I've heard you have to forgive, like, how many times? And I know there's a lot of stuff in the Bible, and at times it can be overwhelming. We can think, oh, I couldn't do that, or I couldn't do that. Or, I couldn't. But sometimes we just we settle for less because we think, well, I could never do that. And James is saying, hey, don't just listen. Do what it says. Because James is saying, listen, if you're just listening and not doing, it's like you're deceiving yourselves. It's like you're crazy. In fact, James, he's so practical, he's such a great writer. He says, look, you know what, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Those who listen to the word, this is verse 23 of James, James chapter 1. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves, they go away and they immediately forget what they look like. So what does he mean by that? Here's what he means. Every one of us has looked in a mirror today at least once. I mean, I'm looking around, I'm assuming that everyone up here has looked in the mirror at least once. Let's be honest, some of us have looked in the mirror several times, many, many times. Some of us have taken selfies on the way to church this morning just to, to make sure it still looks the same as when, it looked, when you left the house this morning. But if you are over the age of 13 this morning, you looked in the mirror and you did something about what you saw before you left the house. Okay, there was a moment this morning, it was probably the first time you looked in the mirror and you saw something and you went, whoa. You've just woken up, you've been up a while, you looked in the mirror, and there's that response of, whoa. 
And like I say, unless you're over the age of 13, under the age of 13, because if you're under the age of 13, you just walked out of house anyway. You're like, hey, I'm going to church. And your mum grabbed you and she did that thing where she licks her hand and she wipes your hair, you know, and she wasn't going to let you leave like that. But if you're over the age of 13, you are not going to see what you just saw in the mirror and not do something about it. In fact, if you are, the, the further over the age of 13 you are, the louder the woe becomes. You're like, whoa. I need to do something about what I see. And James is saying here that when we as Christ followers hear what the Bible teaches, we're going to have a whoa moment. We're going to have a moment of, I need to do something about that. I need to stop doing that. Now, some of us, we have counters full of products to take care of what we just saw in the mirror. I have two sons now who have um, got haircuts that require gel. And there's a lot of time spent each morning at the Jane house before they can leave school fighting over the one pot of gel because it's quite important we need to fix our hair before we leave for work. Many of you travel and you have travel size containers of all of those products because you can't be away from home and look in that hotel mirror and not have that whoa moment without wanting to be able to change it. But whether you're home or away, we wouldn't dream of leaving the house until we'd applied all manners of lotions and potions to deal with what we just saw in the mirror. But as we sit here on a Sunday morning, God's word, the scriptures, it's, it's held up in front of us like a mirror to our hearts. That's what happens when we hear the word of God taught. It's like a mirror being held up in front of our hearts. And James is being real practical and real simple here. He's saying, listen, you wouldn't dream of seeing something that needed changing in the mirror and then do nothing about it. But by not applying in your lives what God is teaching, that's exactly what you are doing. And this is why I love the Bible so much, because 2,000 years ago, James wrote that. And yet it's still such a great illustration for us here in the church today. Those of us who come and, and we think, well, I went... I came to church. That's got to count for something, right? Imagine if you looked in the mirror this morning. In fact, let, let, let's make it for me. Imagine if I looked in the mirror this morning. Let's say tomorrow morning, okay? I look in the mirror, and there's a big clump of hair just sticking up. Now, I know that takes a large amount of imagination, but just um, for the sake of the illustration, just imagine there is at least a, enough hair to form a big clump that would stand up and be out of place. And I look, and I see that in the mirror, and I go, whoa, that does not look right. That shouldn't look like that. And off I go to work. I arrive at the office and I've got some, some great people that I work with, some people that like me and uh, don't want me to feel embarrassed. So that one of them kind of pulls me aside and goes, hey, Dave, big clump of hair sticking up. You really should do something about that because it's like, you know, like totally sticking up there. And I'm like, I know. I know, right? I saw it myself this morning. It's crazy. It's just like big, and it's a clump, and it sticks up, and you're right. I, I've been meaning to do something about that, and I, I intend to do something about that. And I go through the rest of the day work. I get home. We have dinner. We go off to small group. It's small group that night, and we sit together with some of our great Christian brothers and sisters, and we do a little Bible study together, and we talk about what God's doing in our lives. And, and one of my, my beloved friends says to me, hey, Dave, big clump of hair. <laughs> like kind of embarrassing because it's like seven o'clock at night so it's been like that all day you got this huge clump of hair sticking up you really should I know I know I saw it myself this morning in the mirror some of my friends at work have told me and I'm so glad you brought it up because I'd love it we could just pray together can you guys pray for me can we get in a circle together because I really want this clump to really get sorted out so let's pray together in a circle that this clump will just resolve itself and 
let's be honest. If there was anyone in that room with any sense, they'd say, you know what, Dave? You could just wet your hair down. <laughs> you could get a little bit of water. In fact, come here. Come here. <laughs> Let me get that for you. But it's crazy, isn't it? And yet we do that, don't we, in church? We come and, and it's like the mirror reflecting our hearts and, and we hear something taught from the Bible and as followers of Jesus here this morning, we hear it and we think, yeah, that's, that is something that I should do something about. And I do, I feel bad about it. Actually, I left the church this morning, it must have been a great service because I felt really bad. <laughs> I really felt bad this morning. Hey, at least I'm being honest and transparent, right? I mean, I know it's an issue in my life. I'll tell you what, though, I know a few people whose hair stands up a lot more than mine. I know, I know a lot of people who've got much bigger issues with their hair. In fact, I even know some people who don't even believe it's wrong for their hair to stand up. But I'm going to make sure and let them know that it is wrong for their hair to be standing up like that. Instead of just saying, hey, listen, this is my issue. Let's deal with the hair that's standing up on my head. That's what James is talking about when he's saying how crazy it is for us to believe that we can just listen to the words and not do something with it. And then listen to how James goes and finishes out this particular thought. In, verse, in chapter 1 and verse 25, James says, but listen, those who look intently... And I love that thought when he says those who look intently. We're not just skimming across the pages of the word. He's saying those that look intently into the perfect law. And I, I think of those mirrors that you see in a hotel sometimes. Have you seen those round ones that are like on a stick? And I, I don't know, I've not, ever had to use one of these mirrors, but when you get up close to them, they're like super magnifying. I mean, they show everything. You get up in front of me, you're like, oh my goodness. It's like a really big, and that's kind of what Jane's saying. Like, hey, listen, those who look intently into the perfect law, the word of God, the scriptures, that gives freedom and continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, just so practical, they will be blessed in what they do. James is saying, hey, listen, if you don't just listen to this, if you apply it in your lives, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be blessed in what you do. You're, you're actually going to experience the blessing of God in your life. God didn't just throw these thou shalt and thou shalt. He didn't just throw these in to mess with your lives. There is a plan and a purpose behind this because God created you. He knew um, the best plan for your life. So when he put these things in your life, he knew that this would set you free in some areas. That this would, this would help you live your life. This would help you live in, in many different areas in your life. This would actually help you go from being just ordinary to really understanding the life I've created for you to be beyond ordinary. It's a blessed life. It's a great place to be. But the only way you'll get from here to here is to be people that don't just listen to the word and deceive themselves, but people who do it. It's real simple. What James is saying, the bottom line, is you want to know what it'll take to get from here to here? James is saying application. Application is everything. We can't just show up and, and feel like, yeah, I, I really felt challenged by that. And, um, nah, I, you know, so it must have been a good service because I felt, he's saying, no, listen, don't just be listeners of the word and be deceived, but do what it says. You know, maybe James, from spending time with his, his older brother, got this because we know that Jesus taught this very same thing. Jesus taught. This, is, this, is, this wasn't new. This wasn't like new that James was teaching. This was something that Jesus himself had already taught. 
You know, there was a, a time where Jesus did what was called the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, Matthew tells us this, and it goes for like three chapters through Matthew because there was so much that Jesus talked to the crowd about that day, and it's brilliant. It's some really insightful and helpful things that Jesus teaches and, and lots of great things on prayer and giving to the needy and, and all sorts of character issues. And, and we call it the Sermon of the Mount. But listen, when Jesus gets down, and I mean, he downloads a lot of stuff. He teaches to the crowd that day, probably for hours and hours and hours, about all sorts of information. And then at the very end, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, listen to how Jesus finishes with all that information. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into, what's the word? Practice. Puts them into practice. Not everyone who hears these words of mine and takes good notes. Everyone who hears these words of mine and thinks, oh, that was good. Everyone who hears these walks of my, words of mine and, and comes away thinking, I'm going to come back next week and hear some more of those words. No, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Jesus is saying here, hey, listen, if you hear these words and you actually put them into practice, it's a really good thing. In fact, it's not just a good thing. It's kind of like a wise man who decides to build his house on a rock. Do you know what? That's a good place to build a house. That's a very strong foundation. So if you're to listen to this teaching and actually apply it to your lives, application, decide, you know what, from ordinary to beyond ordinary requires some application. If you're going to do this, that's going to make a big difference in your life. That's like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. And Jesus got it. Because do you know what? It's not easy building your house on a rock. It will be a lot easier to build your house on, on mud or sand. But Jesus is saying, hey, listen, the strongest houses are the ones that are built upon rocks. And it's hard to dig down into rock. It's hard to get a foundation into rock. But you know what? It's worth it. Because you'll get a much stronger house. So Jesus wasn't trying to soft sell this and say, it'll be easy to put these words of mine into practice. No, it's not. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be tough. But it's going to be worth it. You'll be like a wise man. So I wanted to kind of kick off our new series called Beyond Ordinary by just really challenging all of us to think about that. Because how many times do we come in and listen versus how many times do we actually come in and listen and say, you know, I'm going to apply that in my life. Because over the next five weeks, in the area of relationship, we're going to go to the Scriptures. And we're going to look specifically at five different areas. We're going to look at honesty, encouragement, forgiveness, marriage, and trust. And we're going to find that the Bible actually has a lot to say over these five things that will help us in our day-to-day -day relationships, whether it's as a husband and wife, whether it's as neighbors, it's going to affect the way we live our lives in the workplace, in the neighborhood, things we say on Facebook, whatever it may be, all these different things. There's actually things the Bible teaches us about how we should live our lives and how we should relate to one another. But the reality is, over the next five weeks, as we hear what the Bible teaches, the only way we're ever really going to understand what it means like to be going from ordinary to beyond ordinary is if, like James said, we're willing to say, okay, I'm not just going to listen to what the Bible says. I'm going to put it into practice. Because if we actually apply what we hear in the words of James, we'll be blessed. If we actually listen over the next few weeks and apply what the Bible teaches about these relationship areas, in the words of Jesus, we're going to be like a wise man building a house upon a rock. Because if you do apply these truths, you're going to discover what it means to not just have ordinary relationships, but to have relationships 
that are beyond ordinary. So I hope that's kind of helped set the, the, the foundation here for where we're going to go over the next few weeks. I really hope you'll come back each week and as we look at these different relational areas and we open up the Bible to what it has to say, that we'll apply those to our lives. And like I said at the beginning, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you'll come along. And I hope you'll listen to what we as followers of Jesus don't have a choice in because the Bible clearly lays out some relational guidelines for us. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would say some of these would really help you in your relationships too. But let's pray now together because it's going to take some of us saying, okay, God, I'm going to set that as a challenge. I want that to be a goal of mine that as we go through these series, I don't just listen to these words, but I have the the courage, the confidence to step out and really apply them in my lives. Even though they're going to be tough, building a house on a rock isn't easy. Even though they're going to be tough, that I'll have the confidence to build upon them in my lives. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to um, just kind of kick off this series this morning, Lord, and just... Listening to the words of James 2,000 years ago, the idea that he had such a practical insight that he was challenging the the followers of Jesus in his day on, and yet here we find ourselves in in a church 2,000 years later being challenged in exactly the same areas, Lord, that sometimes we do, we come along to church and and we feel that just by showing up, we we did our part, or just by, you know, feeling bad, we left thinking, okay, that's that's what church is about. But God, actually, James is saying, if that's what you think, you're, you're missing it. You're deceiving yourself because actually, if you listen and do what it says, you will live a blessed life. And God, I pray that you'll help us to put into practice what we're gonna hear over the next few weeks about what your word says about how we should relate to one another. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.